Our next passage of Scripture comes from the book of Revelation. I'll be reading chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be His peoples, and God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Last Sunday I had a, a special blessing. I was invited to come and to visit one of the Sunday school classes. They wanted to, uh, to hear about things that were going on, to be able to ask questions, uh, uh, to kind of get an update, if you will. And, and during those uh, conversations and answering questions, uh, it, it dawned on me, as, as one of the comments, if I can remember it correctly, was, well, we just, we just need that update. We need, to, we need to know kind of what's going on. And I, and I thought back about uh, how before I ever arrived here, uh, almost seven years ago, uh, how I was told that the vision of the church was to do something new. We, a, a fire station across uh, Pecan Street at the time had been purchased, and, and the church was seeking ways to reach new people, to bring people to uh, come to understand God's transforming grace in new ways. We had two worship services, but we wanted a third worship service. And so, you know, it, it dawned on me that sometimes as people, as lives change, as new people come into our midst, we do need to talk about opportunities for new things. And so, as uh, the lectioner presented this passage of Scripture today from John of Patmos, that's, that's who we call this letter writer in, in uh, Revelation. I don't believe it's John the Apostle. I think it's another man named John who has this powerful vision, this, this vision that makes up the kind of bookend of the Bible uh, from Genesis to Revelation, we have this story of God's love being poured into creation, trying to, to redeem God's people. These, these words of encouragement, these words of challenge, certainly challenge in Revelation. Uh, if you have read parts of Revelation, if you've seen some of the movies that deal with, with the apocalypse, you, you probably have a more familiar grounding uh, of stories coming out of Revelation that deal with God's judgment uh, and, and how that judgment is, is going to occur, at least in John of Patmos' vision, uh, than you do of these few words this morning. Because, see, these few words come after that judgment has already occurred. So as chapter 21 is winding down this book uh, of Revelation, we, we hear these words of, of God doing a new thing. And so it's fitting that on this uh, Sunday when we continue to celebrate the work of graduating seniors, when, that we can continue to talk about new things uh, going on in our lives and in our world. 
So again, let's think in terms that, that, that God's judgment, if you want to read those scary stories in the, the, the first 20 chapters of Revelation, I invite you to do that. Uh, put your seatbelt on. It gets spooky and smoky and, and uh, very uh, imaginative as, as John shares the dream he had. But in this passage of Scripture, we hear these words of God doing a new thing. Now, when John of Patmos was, was experiencing his dream, his vision, uh, I need to tell you that the kind of the worldview, not only of uh, the Jewish people, whom it certainly looks that John of Patmos had had some grounding in, but also the early church, there was this understanding that the world itself, what God had created, was basically a, a three-deck uh, uh, kind of system of the world. There were the heavens... Then there was this stuff in between the, the, that top deck, the heavens, and that's the firmament. And then there was the earth itself, and then below the earth was just below the earth. It's, it's what people want to talk about as being perhaps the heaven, the hell, the, the under the earth's surface. So you had the heavens, the earth, and then what lies below the earth. And so uh, this understanding that a new Jerusalem is coming down from the heavens to to actually uh, land, if you will, on the earth, God was doing something radical in that. Now, as Christians, we see that Jesus began to usher in this idea that, that God was taking on flesh and was coming into the world. And of course, Jesus, our Lord, Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, the author of salvation, that is all correct. Jesus gets that new thing being done started. But it's in this uh, experience, if you will, of John and his vision and dream that, that it's being completed. And so John experiences and hears these words from Isaiah. Uh, I believe the 65th and the 66th chapters of Isaiah uh, is where these words that, that you heard him say, uh, this is where they echo from, uh, God is coming to tabernacle, if you will, amongst the mortals. So in the final act... After judgment has occurred, God is fully present, not just in the Son, Jesus, but fully present with those whom He's called. And that's cause for great celebration. We hear the results. We don't hear what leads to judgment. We don't hear the, the anxiety and the fears that try to move us toward uh, giving ourselves to Jesus. We hear that all the tears are swept away. There's no more crying there's no more fears. Everything is back into its right balance with God because God has come from the heavens and is dwelling amongst the mortals. And so there's great cause for us to, to, to celebrate that. Let me read to you verse 5 again. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And so for those of us that are living perhaps yet before the judgment, yet before this fullest of things, we need to think about what we've been invited into, a life, a life of change, a life of transformation, not just for these four young people that stood before you, but each and every one of us, whether we are 18 or 19, whether we are just a moment old or 105. God continues to do this new thing. God continues to do new things, and God invites us to be a part of the new things. Our challenge, if you will, is staying where we are. Somewhere, even with its own challenges, somewhere that has offered us a moment of comfort, we, we push back on change. We're not quite ready for that. We, we want fullest assurance. We want less pain. And, and certainly as somebody on the, the, I think, 
the upswing after surgery, new things take some pain and, and some discomfort to get us to a, a better place. But, but we are reminded, and our young people are reminded, that as they go off to the next phase, it's not going to be a bed of roses every day. There's going to be challenges in this new thing, but we have this hope, this great hope, that these new things bring greater fulfillment, that we experience God's abundant love in new and powerful ways. I read a story this week about a man who was looking at an old warehouse to buy, and, and this old warehouse was in the, the bad part of town, and, and as the owner was showing the prospective buyer uh, around, he, he said, you know, the graffiti on the walls, we'll, we'll paint over that. Apparently the gangs had, had spray-painted their slogans and signs and all that kind of stuff. And, and we'll take care, we'll get the holes in the fence repaired, and, and those, the garbage that's in there, we'll get all that cleaned out, and, and, and anything that's uh, uh, not safe structurally, we'll get that all repaired. And, and the, uh, the prospective buyer said, look, I want it, but I don't want it for the building I want it for the site. I'm going to tear the building down. I, I want the location. I want the site. And Friends, that's what God wants in us. God knows we've got some brokenness, that sometimes our fences have holes in it, that our structures aren't sound, but, but God knows what's at the core, what's, what's valuable, and God wants to do a new thing. So think about what it is in your life that God might be wanting to do a new thing in. you got good bones, but there's potential. But if you choose to stay in comfort, you don't experience perhaps God's greater gifts of a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. God, it seems like when we read Revelation 21 verses 1 through 6, it seems based on what John of Patmos sees and experiences, God is in the business of doing new things. So why do we resist? Why push back? If this is what God wants, why, why do we stay in the old ways and not consider the new possibilities that God is offering us? I think it's because we see things, we hear things. There are images, there are voices that challenge us. Just, I think, can you imagine being John of Patmos? I just imagine him waking up in this sweat <laughs> after he's had these visions. If it, if it was multiple evenings, multiple nights of having this vision, what, what God was saying to him in this dream. How he was expected then to, to put these things together and then to share it with the rest of the world when he's on a, a penal island being punished for being a Christian. There's no United States mail. There's no Twitter there's no web that he can visit, no way he can post this, and yet this experience of God doing something new with him has made 2,000 years of people of faith knowing that Jesus is the Christ. We, we receive this vision and we are challenged. You know, I think some of the voices we hear, maybe one of them is that voice of, well, I'm, I'm just too good. Anybody ever thought that? I hear it occasionally. You know, Pastor, that what you said today didn't that doesn't that doesn't pertain to me. That prayer you prayed, that that's that's not me. We confessed ourselves. I don't have anything to confess. We just sometimes think we are too good. Or or we think what is the what's the price of doing something new? You want me to behave differently? What what, what will my friends think? 
there was a story, uh, Stretcher Bearers uh, was the book uh, that this story came from, Michael Slater's book. He tells a story of a teenager with his friends, went to the beach, they all got out into the, the surf and all were having a good time, but this one young man began to struggle, caught up in a, a riptide, and he's waving frantically, but he's not calling out to his friends that are close by. And, and as this young man begins to kind of lose his energy fighting the riptide, trying to get attention, a lifeguard notices him flailing and, and rescues the young man. And later the young man is asked, you know, you were drowning in effect. Why, why didn't you call out to your friends who were close by that to maybe one of them could, could rescue you or save you? And he said, well, what would my friends have thought? And friends, we make choices in life that put us in that same kind of dilemma because we're worried about what others might think of us instead of leaning on the one who really rescues us. Instead of really trusting in the power God has given to us to experience salvation here and now, not having to wait for the new Jerusalem. We are invited to be a people who are changing, a people who are embracing new things that God is doing in the world. Sometimes I think we hear voices that say, I'm just too bad. I don't deserve it. I've done something really awful. My, my life has no meaning. I just can't say yes to God. That breaks my heart when I hear people think like that and say things like that. Because our God has come powerfully into this world as Jesus. Jesus Christ. Jesus the one who was willing to take all of our brokenness on His shoulders. Jesus the one who died for our brokenness so that we can have this new thing, this new life, and yet we think we are unworthy. Some of you might be uh, Don Quixote fans. You know, they made a, in the 1960s, there was a Broadway uh, musical, and, and so this story I was uh, reading about Don Quixote comes from that Broadway musical, and, and in that musical, Don Quixote was an idealist, you know, looking for the perfect things, always expecting the perfect, and, and so he, he had this fondness uh, for this uh, woman who, who most uh, people would push away, Aldonza uh, was her name, and, and she led a very hard life, this Aldonza. But Don Quixote referred to her when he met her, and there and after is my lady. And she said, I'm not a lady. You know, I, I sleep with men. I, I do these awful, terrible things. But Don Quixote saw in her as someone very special. And... As she went off to live her life, Don Quixote one last time called her my lady and gave her that respect that he wanted to, uh, to place on her. Years later at the end of the play as Don Quixote is nearing death and, and his friends continue to mock him for his idealism, this, this woman comes to him. This woman that he nicknamed Dulcinea. That was the name Don Quixote had given her. He, she came to him as a queen, a person now of royalty, and on his last days, he asked, Who is this kind woman who breaks these barriers to come and to offer me these kind words? And she said, I'm your Dulcinea. You see, friends, we have people around us who may be idealists, but we have people around us who are people of faith who want what's the best for us. And sometimes they're words of encouragement and, and congratulation, but sometimes they're words spoken in Christian love to 
help keep us on the track of believing and living a life that shows this great opportunity to have life in this world, not as some future moment when Jesus returns and, and everything that's out of kilter is reformed in perfect balance. God says, Behold, I am doing new things. You're never bad enough. You're never too good to come to know this Jesus Christ. You're never too good or too bad to, to experience new life. Some of us with this color hair remember the show Hee Haw. Yeah, I know. Every once in a while I see you on one of the off channels, some reruns of Hee Haw. Lulu Roman. Lulu. You ever remember Lulu? She was... She had a thyroid problem, and she was always heavy set. this Lulu was, but Lulu was an orphan. And she said at night she would cry in the orphanage that someday somebody would adopt her. That's what she dreamt of as, a, as an orphan in this orphanage. When she had the opportunity to audition for this new show, Hee Haw, she said, I was high. I was, I was finding hope in drugs, she said. And on the day I auditioned, I was high on drugs. That was my escape. That was my hope. And she said they thought I was funny enough. They hired me, and throughout the time on her show, uh, for the most of the time on the show, she was under the influence of drugs, her escape mechanism. Because of her heavy-set appearance, uh, because of the failure of her hopes to be adopted, she just had this hard life, but we laughed at her every week as part of that troop of comedians on Hee Haw. Lulu Roman said that uh, it got so bad that the, the show discontinued her because of her behavior. She was taken off the cast. She ran into a, a girl that she had met in the orphanage, a girl by the name of Diane, and Diane said, I need you to meet somebody that I've met. Kind of similar experiences this Diane had, obviously. No, no uh, parents to raise her up living in an orphanage. She said, I met this Jesus. This Jesus who offered me forgiveness. This Jesus who gives me this new life, I want you to meet him. And, 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 and in the aftermath of Lulu getting pregnant out of wedlock, of having a young baby named Damon, of Damon being very sick and doctors saying your son may not survive, Lulu had, had made this deal, she said, with God. You know, if God, if you'll save my son, I'll, I'll do what it takes. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And it was Diane that helped connect these dots. Diane introduced her to Jesus. Lulu prayed for forgiveness and Lulu went back as a sober person to the producers of Hee Haw and got back on the show. Lulu said it was out of the witness of Diane sharing who this Jesus was, offering her this opportunity for a new thing to begin, that she came to know not only Jesus, but experienced forgiveness and began a life of salvation. Friends, that's, that's reason for celebration. We're never too bad. And I hope we never think again that we're too good to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to, to orient our lives on His life, to live as He lived, with challenges but with great joy, great hope, great love. In just a moment, we're going to come to His table, this table of Jesus's, this table where once again we celebrate goodness of God but receive little token reminders of just how loved we are of just how inviting Jesus is for us to do a new thing. This may be our first opportunity to do that new thing in our life. It may be the 1,000th 
But know that when you are a part of a new creation that God has for you, God is celebrating. God says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Let's give thanks to our God for opportunities to be forgiven, for reconciliation, for bringing us all together to be a part of God's new thing. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.